Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're excited about everything going on with FNF Coaches this week. Uh, just to give you an update on some things that are happening with us. Number one, we just published the Coach of the Year edition of FNF Coaches. Go to our website at fnfcoaches.com. It includes a Coach of the Year selection for all 50 states. Visit fnfcoaches.com to view the latest edition and go to the subscribe tab to order the magazine. Number two, there's also been a lot of buzz on Twitter this week about the Coach of the Year selections. One of the topics that also engaged our audience of coaches last week was our call for coaches to share ways in which they have um, brought coaching and shared the profession with their families. We know that during the season, uh, people get busy. Coaches get really busy and don't see as much of their wives and children. And some of the coaches uh, shared some really cool ideas with us of ways that they get their family involved and get them to enjoy the, the sport of football as much as we do. Number three, and lastly, we're working on our March edition of FNF Coaches, which will have a strength and conditioning theme. Today, we're happy to bring to you uh, D. Smith, a certified strength and conditioning coach at Southside High School in Arkansas. He's going to be on the cover of our March edition. He's the owner of Smith Performance and is also the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Southside. Uh, coach Smith, thanks thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, love everything you guys have been doing for the profession and uh, helping getting some people's names out there and helping uh, grow the field. So it's an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And you do a, you do a lot of that yourself. I think we a couple of months ago we named you one of the uh, most influential people uh, for high school football on Twitter. You have a real good sense of what people are following and what they're interested in on Twitter, and uh, you share a lot of good stuff on there. So if you're not following him, you should. Uh, his, um, he's at, what's, what's your Twitter, ha Twitter handle coach Smith? It's just coach D Smith, coach D E E S M I T H. Yeah. So give him a follow. He's always good in the strength and conditioning, speed training, all that type of stuff. Um, so coach Smith, tell us a little bit about your background in strength and conditioning. When, when did you first get introduced to, to the weight room and when did it become an important part of your life? I've, uh, like Playing in high school, just kind of developed a passion for it. Uh, we had a strength and conditioning coach, Leo Krajewski, uh, awesome guy, learned a lot from him. And then we went on to college, and I played Division II ball. And where we were at at the time, now they got one of the best strength coaches uh, around. But uh, at Arkansas Tech at that time, we didn't have, like, a true strength coach. We just – one of our coaches did it. And uh, he was a fantastic coach, uh, did a great job on the field. And then he was just kind of uh, appointed as the strength and conditioning coach. So uh, kind of learned a little bit there and uh, got into coaching. Just one, I saw, I didn't know you uh, got into it through strength and conditioning. Most of the jobs in Arkansas, you're a sport coach. And then you coach the weight room in addition to your sport coaching duties. Uh, and so that's how I got into it uh, initially. I uh, went to college, graduated from Arkansas Tech, and then went on to Cedarville, Arkansas. I was there for a year, and then my first strength and conditioning job, so to speak, uh, was at Blyville, Arkansas, in northeast Arkansas, uh, where I took over a strength and conditioning coach for the football program, and then a little bit with track, and, and then now here at Southside, I've taken over for basically all sports in some aspect. Uh, seventh through twelfth grade, boys and girls. So it's been a good uh, learning experience, and 
kind of growing uh, my position here from the ground up. I was hired to work with just football and then started reaching out to other sports. And then now, like I said, I'm working with, with pretty much every sport, 7th through 12th grade, boys and girls. That's great. Yeah, and it is interesting. You had mentioned um, that when you started, you didn't even know you could get through uh, as you know to a football coach from the strength and conditioning side. It was, and and it's still that way, I guess, in a lot of schools across the country. Yeah. A lot of the smaller budget schools where you know you're you're a football coach, your your expertise is football, and then you've kind of got to learn on the fly in strength and conditioning. So it is. It is great that you can offer the strength and conditioning expertise to the football side, and you have the football background, so that makes you, I'm sure, really valuable to that staff. We had t- we had spoken uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, for a story we were doing. I, I was asking um, around to find out if any- if coaches had a uh, a conditioning exercise in the or a conditioning drill in the off season that they run. That's a little bit different than, you know, we, we all do the 110 shuttles and the 300 yard shuttles and the gassers and all that type of stuff. And you had said uh, you had a test and, and you had shared it with me. And I think I think it's a it's a really cool idea and a way to kind of level the playing field between linemen and skill position players. Um, would you mind sharing that with us now? For- yeah. Yeah. So I went to the uh, National Strength and Conditioning uh, Coaches Clinic in uh, San Antonio, and one of the speakers there was, uh, he's the strength and conditioning, it was their staff actually, uh, at William and Mary University, and they developed this test uh, called the Tribe Test, which William and Mary's the tribe, so that's where the name came from. Mm -hmm. But the theory behind it, making it kind of simple, basically say you got two people, and so you got one person and the other person's their partner, and one person's gonna be running, one person's going to have a cone and be spotting them and you're going to give them five seconds. And where they got the five seconds from was that's the average length of a football play. And so you're going to give your, your guy five seconds and they start on the goal line. They go to the 20 and then back as far as they can. So now you've added in a change of direction and a max effort, five second sprint. They're trying to cover as much ground as they can. And where they get to at the end of that five seconds, the partner will then put the cone down to mark where they got to at five seconds. And then from there, you give them a rest period that's kind of applicable to whatever offense you run. So if you're hurry up, no huddle, you may be 20 to 25 second rest period. If you're wing T like we are, you may be 35 to 40 second rest period. And then you give them that rest period and then you run another sprint. And then you give them that rest period again and you run another sprint. And you try to string it together in terms of like a long drive. So like a 13, 14 play drive. And so you would string it together in that amount of time and then give them the rest periods between each, basically simulating the dri- a long drive in a football game. And uh, their premise behind it kind of was, so say, uh, you know, say you give your skill players 16 seconds on a 110, that's going to be hard for 65, 70% of them but you may have one guy who's an elite athlete or several elite athletes who they can run that at 70% of their max effort. And then they're not truly getting conditioned in terms of game speed because game speed, you know, it's going to be like a max effort deal. And then, so that's kind of is a way to push those elite guys as well as it's good for the linemen in terms of uh, a lineman's never going to run a 110 in a game. A skill player's not either but a lineman's always going to run quite a bit shorter than a skill player. 
Right. Yeah, and one of the one of the philosophies you had also talked about when we spoke uh, for an article that we're doing in the March edition is, um, well, first of all, you know, I think this is this is applicable to high school football and high school, uh, and like you said, you, you're starting with kids in seventh grade. So uh, I remember when I started lifting that my first probably six months to a year I spent in the weight room. I just dreaded it. You know, I was getting beat up. You were so sore <laughs> after every lift and you, I would, you know, I was like, I don't want to lift anymore, but obviously you see the rewards, you see yourself getting stronger, but it is, it's painful the next day, you know, you're, and you had shared that your philosophy is kind of in line with the Tony Holler feed the cats method. And, um, for those who are not familiar with that, I, I'll try to give you a kind of a quick rundown. And you and uh, Coach Smith, you, I'm sure you could help me out with this. But basically, it's you're you're trying to keep people ha- happy and healthy in the weight room so that they're they're enjoying it, and then they're going to be more likely to return. Uh, you want them to you, if you want them to kind of sprint at game speed as much as possible because if they're not running at game speed, they're not going to get faster. So you want them to. Uh, sprint be able be healthy and happy enough to sprint and then you record rank and publish and then that way you're feeding the competitive nature um you know i i tried to do that justice but obviously it's your it's your philosophy as well is there anything that you would add to that or what what did i miss no i mean it's it's just like you said the whole record rank publish deal when i first kind of started looking at it i was like well, I mean, I don't see that making that big of a difference just kind of internally. And then I remember we posted our first times for our seventh graders and then our junior high and then our senior high. And kids are literally lined up asking, when can we run another one? When, when can we run another one? And then so I saw right then and there that the whole record rank published deal, it, uh, it's huge. Uh, another awesome thing I stole from uh, Tony Holler was the Gauntlet 40. And basically, you line up, it's just a 40-yard dash, but you line up all the teammates and make like an alley for them to run through. And they're kind of hyping their teammates up as they run through. And uh, that, that's that been awesome for us. It just kind of gives them a little extra boost of motivation. And then uh, I, I, I'm trying to say it exactly like he said it, but one of his big things was uh, 100% healthy, 80% in shape is, is what he wants his kids and just to kind of speak to that, like, I'd rather a kid show up game one and have to play himself a little bit into game shape. Because no matter what you do, you're going to have to play yourself into somewhat kind of shape. No matter what conditioning test you do, you can run 2110s, you can do the tribe test. At the end of the day, there's going to have to be a couple of games in there to kind of get you into game shape. So I'd rather err on the side of caution and get a hundred percent of my team there safe and ready to go and injury free than beating them into the ground and getting there with 90, 85 to 90% of my guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what it is it, like, so every month we do a college Q and a, um, and we reach out to one coach at the division one level and we do a Q and a with them. And o- over the last few years, like as we've gotten more established with FNF coaches, um, we've got some bigger names. We got Lincoln Riley this year and we've done her, Herm Edwards and Gus Malzahn and guys like that. But I, I can't remember who it was, but I was talking to one of them. And sometimes, 
you know, these are these are guys at the top of the profession. And once in a while you get on the phone, you're a little bit nervous with them. And I'll ask some, you know, some dumb question as the first question. And they'll they'll usually, you know, help me along. I can't remember who it was. But one time I was like, you know, how hard is it to to keep your players motivated? And um, and this is kind of what you're talking about with the feed the cats method. You you don't the whole idea is everybody's got equipment in the weight room and you've, and everybody's basically, you know, everybody wants to bench press and they want to squat and they want to yeah. clean, but you've, you got to find ways to motivate. I can't remember who it was, but some coach was like, yeah, I mean, yes, I want to motivate them. That's what coaching is. You know, and I, I kind of felt stupid after asking the question, but uh, we, we ended up, you know, plowing ahead and got, got through the interview, but I, but that's what it is. You know, you're in the weight room, everybody's doing the same thing. They have the same equipment, um, but you've got to find ways to really motivate these guys, especially in February, March, April. Their, their next game is in five, six months, and you got to bring out that competitive nature and find, you know, record rank published. That's good because then they know where they're at. They can't hide, uh, and they want to compete. That's the that's the whole thing. It's not like you're using it to embarrass anybody. You're using it to to fuel the fire. Yeah, yeah, we we tell our kids now we don't have the uh I wish we did. They have lots of schools are using the free lap timer. Basically, it's a a laser timer. So if I'm a kid and I run say I'm a lineman and I run a 5.49, well, 2 weeks later I run a 5.47, it's easy to see you're getting a little bit that you know, it's a little bit. It's a hundredth of a two hundredths of a second, but you're getting quite a bit faster and then like you said, it's not to kind of like single anybody out. You got to realize once my time's established, I'm competing against myself just as much as I'm competing against people in my position group or people on my side of the ball or whatever it may be. So, uh, like you said, the whole record rank published deal has been great. Uh, another thing that's helping grow buy-in with a lot of kids is just using social media, uh, and coaches are doing a lot better job of this now more than ever, obviously. I mean, lots of coaches will say, well, the kids just aren't the same. Uh, the kids, they don't work as hard. Uh, to me, the kids do work as hard. It's just what motivates them has changed uh, and how you can go about motivating them has changed. Uh, you know, kids used to show up and just want to go to work, and we still have a lot of kids that do that, and th those kids are awesome. But a lot of kids also maybe want a little bit of hype for working hard or they want to tell people they're working hard and to me i mean that's just an area we can help help grow and help boost them and if it gets them bought in more i'm all for it yeah now you said you don't have the lasers i know there's a lot of new technology um in the weight room and i i completely understand at the high school level not everybody has the same budget not everybody can afford everything uh we've done stuff on team builder uh perch um some of yeah. the you know, some of the companies like that, that not only do they kind of give you the analytics on what's going on in the weight room, but sometimes they can, um, they have video to track the form that people are using and they could tell you if they're at risk for injury and things like that. Is, are, is there any new technology that you're using that you've found has been helpful or, um, or what do you make of that? Is, is, is there, are there ways around it without having to pay for, the big money if you don't have the budget to to find that find that kind of analytical breakdown of what's going on in the weight room yeah uh one of the things you talked about uh team builder i use them for like my personal training clients and my online clients mm -hmm. uh, but i also use them with our volleyball girls so 
during football when we're both in season, I'm obviously not with them in the weight room because I also coach football, but I have all them signed up on Team Builder. And then so they get their workouts delivered to them on Team Builder. They have all the video examples. And then most of those end up being movements that we did uh, during our summer training sessions. So they're familiar with them. Uh, as far as like perch, uh, num- perch is awesome. Uh, if I was a division one strength coach, I'd have one at every rack, mm-hmm. but like, like you said, uh, we're, a lot of us are at high schools and we don't have that kind of budget. Uh, but as far as like watching the bar speed, which is one of the things perch does yeah. is, is, I mean, after a while as a coach, you can kind of tell that speed just with your coach's eye. Uh, you know, you'll want to kind of, we'll cue our athletes to, you want to hear the weight rattle at the top. And then that's kind of way you can uh, get that speed you're looking for, which is what Perch does a lot of times. And then you can add bands and stuff too uh, to kind of uh, emphasize that driving up, not just getting the weight up, but driving it up as fast as you can. Yeah, it's funny. Perch, uh, when they first got started, uh, the owner of Perch used to reach out to us to for you know stories and uh, promotion. And then all of a sudden – you know, they started working with LSU this year, and um, any anybody who worked with LSU this year, now they're golden, you know, that that team. Yeah. Is, <laughs> so uh, we don't hear from Perch as much, but obviously great product, and if you if you have the budget for it, it's probably a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're our audience is high school football coaches, and Perch is, like you said, probably a little bit um, above the budget of most high schools, but a great product for sure, and we, yeah. we like them a lot. Uh, one of the things that, one of the, points that you brought up on Twitter um, recently, we, we had reached out to coaches and said, Hey, what are people not thinking about when they're, when they're programming their, their weight room uh, or, or their strength and conditioning program, I should say, what are, what's one thing they're maybe not thinking about. And you said the size of the weight room uh, is a, is a big deal when you're programming because you need to know, you know, if you have 150 players in your program, and you have two hours to get everybody in and out that, you know, that's difficult. That might be the biggest thing that you have to work around. And uh, you don't want people standing around. You don't want to be wasting time. You know, if guys are showing up for an hour and they're getting in four exercises, that's not what you want. Um, what, how, how do you kind of work your way around that? How many people do you have in your program? And how, how do you kind of manage the, the t- limited time that athletes have, especially in the summer when they have jobs or they're, doing different things other sports maybe yeah so when i uh kind of took over here i just looked at the way things were laid out and uh you know like we had coming up there's four of us at a rack you rotated through your set then your the next guy went got his set then the next guy went got his set so one guy's working and four sitting around and that's how it had been done for a long time uh and so i just kind of looked at a better way we could do it here and we essentially have 12 racks, uh, and there's so they're in a rows of two, like one in front of the other, and then out of that we have like a a large rubber mat area, and then out from that we have a turf area. And so what I did was basically turn it into six lanes of so there's six lanes, and then we have A1, A2. And so there's two exercises, two guys that'll be at that rack. And then we have a B1, B2. There's two exercises, two guys that'll be at that rack. And then we have a C1, C2, 
and there's two exercises, two guys that'll be at that rack, and that's generally on the turf or on the mat area. Uh, and so we just kind of organized it that way. Now, the way we have it set up, that's set up for like 36 guys, but there's several racks that have three just because a little bit older guys, they'll work a little bit faster or group them together a little bit better, and they, it can have three instead of two. And then it just flows a lot better, and it cuts down on the standing around in terms of I'm not waiting 10 minutes for this guy to, to finish his sets. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's it's keeping athletes engaged. It's keeping it interesting. Make sure they're competing. And that's that's how you get attendance in the off season. That's how you get guys that are that buy into it and they want to be there. And um, that's that's why we reached out to you, because it seems like you've got that. Um, you kind of mastered it uh, in at your at your school and you've and you've got everybody working hard and working together. Um, one one last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and then I'll let you get going because I know you're about to um, have another class here. The, uh, in terms of injury prevention, one one thing that always sticks out to me, and I don't know what you make of this. If you look at NFL teams, like these guys are at the top of their profession in terms of sports performance coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, and it seems to me like once every couple of years, a team will just have really bad luck in terms of injuries. And sometimes, you know, it's soft tissue injuries. Sometimes they're blowing out ACLs or doing things. And then they'll overhaul the entire strength and conditioning staff and be like, these guys did not set these guys up to stay healthy this year. And there's an injury prevention was an issue for us this year. What, what types of things do you, uh, and I know if you're in the weight room, it, that's, that's a plus for injury prevention because you're getting stronger and you're getting faster and you're making it um, so that you're more athletic and agile. But are there things that you see in terms of injury prevention that come up a lot and, and there are quick fixes for it? Or what are some of the things that you do to kind of try to help your team prevent injuries? And um, what do you make of the fact that they're turning over these uh, strength and conditioning staffs every time they get plagued by a lot of injuries? Is that just luck or, or do you think it does have something to do with the training? I, I mean, I think uh, if it's a large group of the team or several instances of the same exact injury, then you kind of got to look at the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, also at the NFL level, they're getting their guys – basically say eight to nine months a year and then three months a year they're training with who knows who right and so when they're training out of the nfl facility who knows what kind of training they're doing who knows the you know the scheme or whatever the the personal trainer they've hired has them doing that could be setting them up at a higher risk for injury and then the nfl team inherits this guy who's at a high risk of injury because of what he's been doing the previous three months uh I think no matter what we do, we can't uh, prevent injuries, but we can reduce the risk of them happening. Uh, We've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate in my career uh, of athletes I've worked directly with in terms of like at least three to four days a week. Uh, We've had uh, probably one, knocking on wood, but one uh, non-soft tissue, like one, uh, we've had one ACL injury basically uh, in six years of athletes that I've been able to work with consistently. And that's not a testament to my programming. Number one, that's luck. And number two, there is things you can do to kind of, uh, 
reduce those risks. A lot of things you can do. Uh, single leg movements are huge. Uh, single leg jumps. Uh, not also single leg, but just learning how to land, learning how to jump properly in terms of, uh, you see it with our female athletes a lot, uh, knee valgus. They want, the first thing they want to do is buckle their knees in. And then, so if you send them out to play a game and they, they play several games a year now with travel ball and AAU and all that, uh, if you haven't corrected those issues, you're already setting them up at an increased risk of injury. Uh, so you need to kind of train those movements. Uh, mix some single leg movements into the weight room, and then that'll have a lot of carryover in terms of keeping your athletes safe. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've I've heard that about jumping on you know the the leaps from one leg are definitely preventative on the uh, ACL side. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time. You've been uh, this has been super informative, and and we appreciate the fact that we're uh, we're going to have you in the next edition as well as on the cover. Thanks so much for taking the time. I'm going to go through a couple of things on our website right now, but I'll let you get going. I know you have another uh, class to teach today. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, I appreciate what y'all are doing for the field and uh, look forward to seeing what you put out. Good deal. Well, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, sir. You too. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, before we let you get going, I want to just talk to you about a few opportunities. If you made it this far on the podcast, um, I'm going to give you a few hints of ways to take advantage of some opportunities that we have at FNF Coaches. Number one, go to the FNF Coaches website. On the far right of the website, there's a gear survey. Okay, I want you to click on that link and you have opportunities to win. Three three different things here. You could win a Osmo a DGI Osmo Pocket. That's sideline recording video. Another thing you could win is a drone aerial video recording drone. That's Tello quadcopter drone. The third thing you could win is your school on the cover. And I'm going to give you a little piece of insider information here. We have not had a lot of coaches complete this survey. So we've got about 15 giveaways and we've got about 20 coaches that have gone on to this survey and completed it all the way through. If you go to that gear survey, there is a good chance you're going to win something. So do that. Number two, uh, second hint, go to the subscribe tab. There's $10 off our annual subscription, which only costs $19.95 to begin with. You'll get six editions for less than $10. Please do that. Uh, and last but not least, we have an FNF Coaches Talk pot, or, uh, blog every day with the top three stories in high school football. I encourage you to keep your eyes peeled. Follow us on Twitter, FNF Coaches, at FNF Coaches. That's available every day. Or just go to the website and check it every day. I usually post it at about 3, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and then you'll be good to go. Thanks so much to Coach D. Smith. Appreciate him taking the time. He's our strength and conditioning expert and our one of our influencers on FNF Twitter. Enjoy your day, folks. We appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. 
Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at ForneyIn.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, Ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.